0: Welcome into the Eleven Dubcast, sponsored by the Dry Goods store at 11 warscom Hey, it's Michigan Week, peoples. It's Michigan Week. I'm John Ginter. He's Andy Vance. We're extremely excited. This is the most important week of the year. It does not get better than this. It will never get better than this. For us, at least. And and maybe for, for you whippersnappers who were born, you know, let's say before Hanson or after Hanson, uh, you know, came on the scene. Maybe you don't understand the significance of why old people like us just, just cannot do anything but center this entire year around this week of college football. And I hopefully we can explain that over the course of this podcast. So Andy Vance, how are you feeling on this, uh, the week of the game?
1: I mean, this is what it's all about. You know, Ohio State is one of those teams that it's it feels like it's always national title or bust, but I I was very um, clear in my mind when Ohio State hired Jim Tressel. and I was a plucky young undergrad. I'd never heard of Coach Tressel before, which I realize <laughs> is a failing on my part, but I was one of those people like, geez, who is this they're bringing in from the hinterlands of Youngstown, for crying out loud? But my comment was, as long as he wins... That one game at the end of the season, it doesn't matter if he loses all the others. And, you know, I still, to a large extent, believe that, that, you know, if the the head coach at Ohio state can lead his team to victory, uh, in the game, then the rest of it kind of takes care of itself. And my golly, Gene, Edry, are we living in a golden age uh, of Ohio state versus Michigan?
0: It's wild, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit. It's it's wild and unprecedented, and definitely something that obviously us being in our 30s kind of have a connection to. Uh, <laughs> you're, if you're if you're a child of the 90s, as we are, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of pathos associated with with Ohio State, Michigan, and and our fandom. So we'll we'll get into that before we do that, though. We kind of have to address a little bit of what happened on Saturday. You've got Penn State. Uh, Ohio State Chase Young's back big time stuff not at not the win that some people were expecting some people thought Ohio State may just you know blow Penn State out I actually I didn't anticipate that I think I was predicting about a 14 point win and it was roughly that I think it was you know a little bit closer than people anticipated so my question to you before we get into anything else regarding Michigan or Penn State or Ohio State were you disappointed with how Ohio State played on Saturday against Penn State?
1: Well, I mean, I, I guess I'm disappointed that there were a couple of sloppy things, you know, turnovers always kind of make you feel, yeah. you know, icky inside. So I'd say, yeah, I, I hate seeing the ball on the turf. That, that, that bugs me. But as I watch the tape, like, let's say the the Justin Fields goal line fumbles an example, like you go back and you watch that. And if I, if I recall correctly, the the Penn state players helmet, you know, knocks the ball out of his hands. And it's one of those that I'm thinking, you know it's hard to say how he could have done a better job of protecting the football in in that specific you know physics are the laws of physics are what they are so there are things like that where you say oh gosh you know i can't believe you put the ball on the turf darn you especially on the goal line and it's terrible and it's bad and it was you know that might as well call that one right there what a 14 point swing but uh you know it's a rainy day it's you know big amped up emotions and all that sort of thing no i I wasn't disappointed at all how can you be disappointed about an 11 point victory over a top 10 team like get over yourselves ohio state fans how you can't be disappointed in that you can go through and nitpick and say here's some things that have to be cleaned up and i'd say timing wise it's the perfect time for ohio state to find some of those warts fits and freckles and and get them worked out in practice this week before the game
0: right and and look i you know Penn state is a legitimate team. This is not a, a club that just, you know, kind of blundered into a nine and one record. This is a good team. They obviously struggled with some injuries themselves during the game. And, you know, they had some other things that they had to put up with. And of course, Ohio state, you know, when you see the turnovers, when you see the sloppiness, that is not really how you want the team to look before Michigan week. But as you said, it gives the, you know, it gives Ryan day and company the opportunity to kind of point some things out that, you know, to to fix what they need to fix my biggest concern was actually not even Justin Fields some people were kind of wringing their hands at Justin Fields performance and and said he didn't do that great I think he was fine for what he was asked to do obviously I think he was hurt a little bit uh just being you know Nixon scratches I think he'll be fine for Michigan but just getting banged up what actually concerned me was a little bit uh how the offensive line performed um particularly in run blocking I mean look J.K. Dobbins had 157 yards on the ground you love that but when it takes you 37 or excuse me 30 uh 36 carries to get to that it makes you makes you a little bit wary when you're gonna have to play another kind of elite um run defense the next week so I, I that is something that they really I think need to get figured out because it appears to me at least that Penn State Kind of just you know dared Ohio State to beat them with Justin Fields' arm, and when Justin Fields wasn't having an A plus day, the game was a you know a little bit closer than anticipated. Now, if they get that ball in and, and he doesn't fumble at the you know the goal line, I think it's a completely different game, and I think they blow that sucker wide open, and it's it's not even you know it's it's basically a laugher from there on out. And and to be you know continuing that thread, I really don't think that Penn State was challenging uh for the rest of that game and you know had they been able to score a touchdown and get it real close or even tie it that you know in the third quarter maybe it would have been a little bit different but i just for me it felt like ohio state was in control for most of this game and i am a little bit nervous about how the rushing game performed but not so much that i think it's going to impact how i feel about you know, Ohio state and Michigan overall. So it was a good game. You know, it's a top 10 win. Like you said, we're going to, you're going to complain about that. You're going to complain about a top 10 win that that solidifies your position as the number two team in the country. I don't think that's something that you got to worry about too much.
1: I think, you know, the thing that really struck me because as I was going back and looking through the data, the, the rushing attack, uh, and, and you talked about the offensive line play that, that was for sure part of it, but it's hard. It's, it's easy to forget that, Penn State came into the game as the number one rush defense in the country. And on the first drive, Ohio State marched at 91 yards right. down the field, 12 Without rushes, passing. five minutes, touchdown. And, and so from then on, and then you add in, okay, you had that, that fumble at the goal line. Uh, okay. The, we're starting to rain a little bit. Maybe that's a concern and so on and so forth. What do you do? You go, you play trestle ball, you go into game control mode. You just keep running the ball. I mean, it's, it's kind of, Like really maddening for a while there because you're sitting there watching um, a team that's used to running seven yards a carry running you know two and three yards a carry like it was it was really crazy if you go in and look at the advanced analytics um, our 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 colleague Jake Anderson pointed out today that uh, Ohio State had a 52 percent success rate on passing plays versus just 36 percent on rushing plays well why would you do that if you're having that much success on passing plays why would you stick with the running game so much well it's back to what we were talking about a minute ago you'd had early success running the ball you want to control the clock you want to control the tempo of the game you want to keep the ball out of penn state's hands boom 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 you just take a lesson out of the senator's playbook and go win the ball game and it worked right
0: Yeah, and well, three turnovers obviously does not help your cause in that sense. And when you're putting on the ground that much, you know, it's it's one thing, you know, you throw an interception, okay, fine, like that's a fluke. You throw two interceptions, okay, let's stick with the running game. You fumble three times, I don't, you know (laughs) – that suggests that people just aren't going to be able to hold on to the ball. And that means you don't trust your running game or your passing game. Right. So, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where it was a, it was a tough game. I, I think they did what they need to do. I think they showed that there was a huge talent disparity top to bottom between themselves and Penn State, which is, you know, if you're not having a great game, you still want to see that. You know what I mean? Like, you still want to see the fact that your team is able to, like, you know, kind of just outperform and out-talent. Your opponent particularly when it's another top 10 opponent i'm really interested and i I know we can't avoid talking about it right because it is the Michigan game i'm interested to see what the weather's going to be like i checked this out ann arbor i mean this is going to be classic big 10 football chance of snow high of 39 who knows what's going to happen with that i think that's going to be you're going to see another nitty-gritty ass game on Saturday, and look, I'm 100% down for that because that's how these games should be played, and that's that's the environment we want. Um, but it could be it could be another sloppy game, and I just want Ohio State fans to prepare themselves a little bit for that. Um, I want to talk before we move on to Michigan, and obviously the bulk of this podcast will be about Michigan. But before we do that, we really have to address the fact that we have to address the predator in the room, which is Chase Young coming back and. Look, I don't can I ask you a question real quick before I get into my rant. How did yeah. you because I want no, because I want to know, Andy, did you expect Chase Young to come back and just hit the ground running and just sack everything in sight? Is that what you expected?
1: Yeah. Like, and, and be honest uh, with me. Be honest. Yeah, me. I, I would uh I would say I wish that uh Jason Priestess and uh and our, our young friend David were on the, the podcast with us. I had lunch with the two of them Friday. We we went for some skyline. Fantastic. And, uh, as, as well, you know, you should. And so the question was asked over lunch, what's, uh, what's Chase's stat line look like after the game? Uh, and we kind of set the over under at two sacks and I said, I'm taking the over. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I, I really thought, you know, this, this cat's going to be hungry. He is, he is without question in my mind. And, and I, I realized that at times this podcast has been the, Chase Young, you know, fan club, uh, love As cast. it should be, though. Uh, look, as as, it, as should it should be, be I mean, man. like, it is he deserves that. he's questionably the best player in college football, uh, this year and maybe for a couple of seasons. I mean, he's r- really incredible. And I just, I'm blown away by his stat line that game. It was just really fantastic. And, and if you go back even and look at his overall stats, I mean, he's accumulated something like 240 yards of of yardage and tackle for loss and sacks i mean 240 yards that's <laughs> mind-blowing yeah in in nine games
0: yeah T- it's, it's it's wild i mean <laughs> the dude he has 16 and a half sacks and he was suspended for two games like i don't i mean look and i'll be completely honest with you by the way before i i make myself sound stupid what did jason and david say about that
1: uh jason was a little more he didn't think he didn't think he'd get three sacks david was david thought two if i recall jason jason thought i think one and a half two you know was possibility they didn't say oh he'll never get that but
0: given david's general disposition i'm surprised he didn't just say that like chase young would have his leg snap in half and then be (laughs) for like another year or something like that
1: i I always Um, i I kind of feel bad um i've referred to our house money series because i i just love it it's one of my favorite uh, sure. features on the site that that and threat level are my two favorite recurring features um but i kind of i chuckle every week when i read the comments because young young david has made a habit uh because up until this season ohio state has not been terribly reliable against the spread and right. so <laughs> david bless his soul will pick against ohio state um every single week even against Rutgers, <laughs> when everyone else on the staff took Ohio State to cover the spread, uh, which you know made him look like the only intelligent person on the staff, sure. and commenters just eat his lunch every week <laughs> because. That's he just will reflexively pick against Ohio State. Can't help it. <laughs> so, so when you said that about his general disposition, I was like, my guy, like that yeah, is uh, that is him through and you through. Know? Always pick it, against the home team,
0: <laughs> and we have fun and slack because the guy just you know, Ohio State got you know, four yards on first down instead of eight. Well, they're, they're, you're going two and nine next season, buddy. Like, you can't deal with it. Right, Sorry, <laughs> <I'm just gonna laughs> anyway. I would look, I would have been on their side though, because. I thought nothing you, in this you expected world, a road bump. Yeah, nothing in this world is that pure and good. And I really felt that Chase Young would be good when he maybe get maybe get a sack, but mm-hmm. I really didn't think he was gonna come back and just you know wily coyote this sucker and just you know put a bunch of acme dynamite underneath the backfield of Penn State and destroy everything that's in front of him. And look, I think sometimes we, we temper our expectations a little bit too much because we don't want to necessarily believe our lying eyes. And we don't want to, we don't want to, I guess we don't want to overestimate what we're watching. And sometimes as sport fans, we, you know, we, we hear all this hype like this person's the best player in a generation and blah, Mm blah, blah. And then they don't always live up to the hype. And it's kind of just a disappointment. And so, you know, when I look at Chase Young and I hear Clat talk about how this guy is basically the Barry Bonds a defensive lineman. I'm like, man, I really want to believe that. I really want to believe that. But if I believe that and it doesn't happen, I'm going to be upset or disappointed. Chase Young, isn't that dude. He, he is coming out and just kicking enormous amounts of ass yeah. on every down. And I don't know why I doubted him because it's, you know, you put him one-on-one on any offensive lineman in the country and they're going to lose. He is going to sack the quarterback, period. Unless you roll the quarterback away from him or run the football or have three guys trying to block him, that's a guaranteed sack. And that's like, I don't I don't say that lightly and I don't say that in a glib way. I 100% am buying into the fact that this guy is a generational talent. I think he's the best uh, defensive, you know, edge rusher that we have seen at Ohio State. I don't know, maybe since the 90s. Like it, this is something unprecedented, and to me, he's a complete X factor. And whatever else we talk about with regards to Michigan, and, you know, what they might be able to do or not do against Ohio State, you cannot account for Chase Young. And look, I know Joe Burrow is doing what he's doing, but for my money, Chase Young's the best individual player in college football. And it, look, you, I, I can't have—I don't have anything else to compare it to. I'm speechless when I talk about him because there's nothing else that I can say that I think if someone isn't convinced that he is this insanely elite player, then nothing will because he's just, he's, you know, the guy's getting out there on a tee and just knocking him out of the park every single time. It's wild.
1: Yeah. I don't know what else he would have to do to convince somebody who's not already on the hype train. He got uh, big 10 defensive player of the week honors deservedly. So second time this season, he was Walter camp national defensive player of the week deservedly. So his stat line, this game, I I referred to it earlier, but three sacks, four tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, nine tackles, five of which were solo. You go back and then you, you look at his stats for the season. I mean, he's already set the single season sack record at Ohio State, and and very well, I think could could end up getting you know maybe the career sack record at the rate he's going. Holy smokes, he's just you know he's got what three more games. You might as well say uh, potentially sure. to play if he you know, Ohio State makes it all the way. Uh, Was that three uh, Michigan Big Ten championship game playoff game? So potentially four more games, right? To accumulate two or three sacks of pop. hes had seven forced fumbles over the course of the season, defended a pass i mean don't forget here a few weeks ago he's throwing his mid up in the air and batting down a pass uh you know he's done almost everything except scoop one up and run it back for six like that's yeah. literally the only thing that he hasn't done. i guess recorded an interception you know, so if maybe he could do those couple of things this week, then you could say he's checked off every box he could possibly check otherwise i don't I don't know how you could expect. And he does a little bit of everything, right? Because you've seen him line up everywhere along the line. He's lined up as a standup linebacker. And that one, that one kind of fun little wrinkle that uh, the coach has tossed out a few weeks ago, you know, so you, you've seen him be extremely versatile. He's not the proverbial one trick pony either.
0: Right. Yeah. I, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, for Heisman voters, as far as that goes, they they want to see a defensive player be able to be multifaceted and score touchdowns and blah, blah, blah. But you know, if it's about being just the best you could possibly be at your given position, I, you know, again, Joe Burrow, great player. Love the dude. Thinks he, you know, I think he's awesome. And what he's doing is fantastic. But in terms of, you know, showing us something that we haven't seen before, I, I just got to believe that Chase Young is that dude. And I know he's not going to win the Heisman. I'm not, I'm not saying that. This isn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not making a case for, for him sneaking and winning the trophy. But what I am saying is that, you know, if we evaluate players based on, you know, how they're performing historically and how they perform against their peers, I just, you know, I saw a guy pass for 5,000 yards in the Scarlet and Gray last season. I've never seen someone do this. Mm-hmm. And it's completely bonkers. And I just love every second of it. And I honestly, I think he's going to continue it uh, against Michigan. And we will get to that in a little bit because I want to talk about what I think Michigan is going to try to do to attack Ohio State's defense. There is a template. There is something that they have been doing and doing successfully for the past three or four weeks now, and I think that's something that we have to address a little bit. But before we get into that, I want to ask you, Andy. I want to. I just want to know where your, you know, I I use this word earlier in the podcast, where your pathos comes from with Ohio State. (laughs) So I just want to know what is the origin of the species for Andy Vance and the the game.
1: So you referenced us being the, the child of the nineties. And so right. I grew up in that, that John Cooper era. Uh, I, I don't, I don't really remember watching, you know, games with Earl Bruce at the helm, although I'm sure I did. I, you know, that well, really when I came into my own as an Ohio state fan, as opposed to, you know, just watching the game with dad, you know, having it on the TV and being vaguely aware of football on television, was was during the cooper era and so you had you know these great ohio state teams loaded with talent you know the potential title contenders year in and year out and always stub their toe in the most important game of the season and the really reason that really struck home to me is because one of my best friends in high school was the kid in town and i know there's one you know everybody has a friend like this that just wants to be contrarian uh, and so if everybody yeah. in town's an Ohio state fan, like there has to be one person who's a Michigan fan just right. because they want to be different. <laughs> and that was, that was my, one of my best friends in like, you know, elementary, middle school, he just, he was the guy that, um, had to be, had to be different. And, and, you know, perfect example was, uh, you know, we were closer to Cincinnati as you were, you know, I know we're both SOBs, uh, Southern Ohio sure. boys. And so Bengals, uh, fandom was sort of expected, and you know the the year that the Bengals played the 49ers in the super bowl and of course mm. everybody's all excited right it's you know local team playing in the super bowl Bengals, Bengals, Bengals. he was the kid with the 49 ers starter jacket so <laughs> so i hated that every year i was like you know ohio state you're going down smelly michigan fan fooey on you and he had the last laugh pretty much every year and it just right. always ground my gears and i was like i'm gonna get one of these days they're Mm, they can't win them all and you know then they did pretty much win them all and right now we're on the flip side of that bizarro you know uh, universe and it's it's magical
0: well i will tell you something in today's threat level i touched on this a little bit And, and actually basically the same concept that you said southwestern ohio i mean is is you know the the chief currency of people living in southwestern Ohio is contrarianism. I mean that really <laughs> is it. I mean it, it seriously is just like yeah you like this I don't how about that and that's that's a huge part of what it is uh, to grow up there. And so I'm a little bit younger than you, and which means that you know I kind of grew up in the thick of the 1990s where this you know let's be Michigan fans kind of attitude took hold, mm-hmm. and I hated that because to me the The university, you know, Ohio State University represented all the citizens of the state of Ohio. And that included myself and everyone else in it. And so my personal self-worth was invested in how the football team did because I thought it was an extension of my person, which it is. And I just, you know, I got so frustrated when, you know, Ohio State would lose to Michigan because I felt it was a personal slight against myself. And to go into you know elementary school and middle school the next day and see all these kids in their Michigan starter jackets and just you know grinding my teeth because I couldn't just like be proud of one damn thing about Ohio growing up, um, it just sucked, and it's something that just sticks with you for a really really long time, and it's you know it's ingrained in who we are, and it's something obviously that the state is super invested in, and, and as people were really invested in, and it. you know there are things that you grow up with and you hold really near and dear to your heart but they they fade away you know what i mean like there are things that in middletown i really loved you go back to middletown they're not there anymore or they've changed Mm -hmm. or something else has happened the michigan game is a constant and it's something that you can always look towards every single year that you build and build and build and build build to and the catharsis that comes with the game is just mind-blowing to people who don't really know it and and when you're able to express that i just it's it's a lot of fun and when you win it's even better and actually the the other thing that i expressed in threat level is like you know there's this midwestern belief that you know things may suck but if you just put up with it long enough it will eventually get better <laughs> and, and like that's not real that that's not that's not guaranteed in any sense of the word but damn it Ohio state has just taken Michigan to the woodshed for the past two decades. So you tell me what's real, right? Cause if that ain't real, then I don't know what is because obviously fate has smiled upon the Ohio state university in this rivalry. And it's, it's, it's vindicating my childhood. And I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Um, so I want to ask you a couple of questions as we move on here. So just some general Michigan stuff. What is your favorite all-time Michigan Ohio State game that you watched? Could be in person, could be on TV, whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that game of the century, that uh, one versus two, was pretty special, right? Uh, okay. What 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 year was that? Was that uh, two thousand yeah. So the, I mean, that was because that was so hyped, right? And it was like we were we weren't yet at the point where Ohio State had been on this insane two-decade, you know, now, golly gee, two-decade stretch, you know, and it was just right. five years since Trestle had made his famous, and, and so I was, I thought you were going to ask the question, what was my favorite kind of Ohio State-Michigan moment, and it was, it, I was going to say Jim Trestle's introduction speech, you know, where he says, you're going to be proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan on the football field, and it's like that, that to me was the turning point, you know, when he threw down the guy. He's Babe Ruth, taking his bat and pointing it into the stands and calling his own shot. And the whole, you know, like, it was just like, that was the moment that it all changed. So then you go to that, that uh, 06 game and you're one versus two. It's this big deal, huge. I mean, that game did huge numbers. It was probably the most watched football game of the season. Both teams coming in undefeated. I mean, mean, that was for all the marbles. Right. And that was, I mean, for an Ohio state team under Jim Trestle, a 42 points, that was an offensive explosion. Right. So you look and you (laughs) say that, I mean, and it ends up being bittersweet because you know, that, that's like the high point from, (laughs) from there on out, you know, and, and, uh, that, that season always, that team always kind of felt like opportunity missed uh, because of how it, ended in uh, the national title game with with Florida, but that particular game was, I mean, I still get chills thinking about that. I mean, that's, that's what that rivalry is all about, right? Two titans of the sport duking it out for all the marbles.
0: So I would say, I mean, that I was actually, I was present for that game. I was a senior, I guess, an undergrad at that time. And it was, you know, it was everything you just kind of explained it was. It was a wild, crazy, amazing game. It was, you know, just an exhilarating rush just to be in the stadium. I will say this, though. I never in that entire game had any doubt that Ohio State was going to win. I I 100% was convinced from, you know, the beginning of the week on all the way through the end of the game that Ohio State was going to win that game. I, I had zero doubt that Troy Smith and Company would end up, you know, coming out on top. So that was not something that I was even remotely concerned about. So for me, as much as I enjoyed it, it didn't have that same kind of like, you know, flop sweat, you know, running down your back kind of feeling that some of those other games had, particularly actually in 2005, right, where they had to come back and, you know, and win with the 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 crazy Gonzo catch and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I would say my favorite game that I uh, watch my favorite michigan ohio state game that i watched and this one was in person as well was the 2004 game in 2004 michigan was a heavy favorite over ohio mm-hmm. state they jumped out i believe to something like a 14 to nothing lead and then troy smith a guy who just you know until previously had been like a fullback or something or running back until <laughs> you know they put him in quarterback and let him do his thing you know, he basically did all these spin moves. He had something like 120 some yards rushing, another 200 some plus passing. He just dominated that game, and it came out of nowhere. They did some really fun stuff with uh, Ted Ginn. To me, that game was the most hilarious, entertaining Michigan game. In part because Ohio State uh, was had, did not have a good season and were not favored to win, but did anyway, and really, I, like. You know if Ohio State beats Michigan in twenty nineteen it's it's almost kind of a given if Ohio State beats Michigan in two thousand and four when Michigan's favored by double digits, yeah that's like that's like the Vatican coming crashing down in Ann Arbor. You know what I mean like that is like the end of the world for Michigan fans at the time that that one stunned them I think more than any other game uh during this entire stretch, and it was just hilarious to see. Um, and to experience. So that was my absolute all time favorite.
1: Well, um, and what's mind blowing about that game, like, this is how far this program has come in 20 years. Yeah. You go, you go back and look at the record of that team. I think they were like six and four coming into that game where Michigan was nine and one. I mean, you, imagine six and four, and I mean, people would be burning couches on the oval every day. Oh yeah. If Ohio I mean, state was six and four now, I mean, like I go back and like Ohio state lost to Northwestern that year. What? what alternate reality was that? You know, it was just a very different, you're, you're right. I mean, you set that up perfectly. They they go on then and uh, beat Oklahoma State in the what was that uh, the Alamo Bowl yeah something like the
0: Alamo Bowl like, it was that the, was what the, miles the, too.
1: who gives a poo bowl kind of, yeah right right good point so that was I mean yeah that's a great that's a great game because it was and I think what uh, Ted again was a true freshman that year maybe yeah um, wow wow yeah that's a that's a good one.
0: Yeah, it was it was just an enormous amount of fun. I remember I was you know, I was in block O. I was a sophomore, I guess. And
1: oh you are a young um, pup.
0: Yeah, some guy some guy rolled up on us, clearly just drunk out of his mind. People drink football games. The what are
1: you talking about?
0: Yeah. Passed out in the middle of the aisle, uh, woke up in the middle of the third quarter, asked who was winning. We said we were. They were like he went, yeah, and then passed out again. And that's basically <laughs> how the entire game felt. It was just, it was a crazy rush. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Let me ask you this: What is your favorite individual performance in the game?
1: Wow, that's a that's a tougher one. I mean, the the smart Alec uh, in me wants to go back a couple seasons and uh, that iconic double birds on the way out of the. <laughs> stick.
0: No, actually, that is okay. the best one. No, you're right. You've identified the correct one. You've identified <laughs> the correct answer. Yeah, Marcus Hall, that is the correct answer. Him (laughs) flipping the double birds. And by the way, by the way, how perfectly Michigan, uh, man, is it for their fans to be like uptight and whiny about that afterwards? Like that's not really appropriate. Are you kidding me? (laughs) That is one of the single greatest events in college football history that have on live national television, Marcus Hall flipping off 110,000 people as the exes, Exits the stadium, it doesn't get better than that. That is college football in its most perfect form. I'm sorry, (sighs) you don't get that. That is the best. You're correct. That is the best individual performance. But accepting that, which again (laughs) is the best. What is the second best?
1: I uh I still, you know, I'm I'm irrationally um I guess, irrationally fond of, of JT Barrett. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going back and I'm, I'm looking at like, you know, the spot was good actually. And some of the teeth <laughs> he had in uh in those games, like that, there are just so many and in recency bias is a real thing. So like the things that pop into my mind are all things that have happened in the last 10 years, but, but you know, you, man, there are just a lot of great moments. You Let me throw that question back on you, my old friend. What's uh you, you throw a haymaker at me because you uh, you've, you've no, got some no, good no. ones I imagine.
0: Completely fair. I know there's a lot to, to go through. There's a lot to digest there because obviously there's been some incredible performances um, over the, uh, over the years. I'm going to take you back. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you all the way back to the year 2007 and this isn't the record. It, it It's since been surpassed, I believe by Carlos Hyde. Um, Beanie Wells ran 39 times for 222 yards against Michigan in 2007. <laughs> In a game that finished 14 to three. And that was the most, that game was like eating gravel. It was in no way was Michigan hmm. ever going to win that game. That that right. was definitely the start of the bad years for Michigan. They were not ready to play Ohio state, uh, but Beanie Wells just repeatedly running and running and running and running directly into the teeth of the Michigan defense, accumulating over 200 yards uh, two touchdowns which that's again amazing. the only two touchdowns of the entire game um it is to me that is the pinnacle of trestle ball it, it, if they are like defining trestle ball putting it at museum or in a dictionary just put it that is that specific game that's um, wild oh uh, man it, it is it is a game i thoroughly enjoyed watching and will never ever ever revisit ever again because yeah. it was awful and i just i had to tip my hat and give all the respect in the world to Beanie Wells for doing what he did. Um, cause it was hilarious and it, it, you know, almost 40 carries dude. I mean, it's just, you know, and that's, that's what nutty. you love about the game. Those types of performances.
1: The other thing I love about the game, you know, here in the more recent era, you know, so you had coach Russell walk out eight and one, uh, win, you know, six game win streak. So urban Meyer, flawless, uh against Michigan which is just kind of mind-blowing yeah um but in that you know that 2012 game uh you you mentioned Carlos Hyde and then I said on this program before how much I enjoyed watching him run because he, he was one of those you know angry you know, just wrecking ball type runners he ran for 146 yards in that game Um yeah. you know Buckeyes trailed at the half and then come back and win it 26 to 21 to finish that that season 12 and 0 with a Team that should not have been undefeated, probably when you looked at the pieces and parts, and Urban right. Meyer talking about uh, you know the receivers being a clown show, and you had John Simon and uh, those, you know guys just bouncing around making all kinds of crazy position changes, and you know that sort of set the tone then, right, for the rivalry of this decade. Um, but what I love about the, you know, some of those games is you you use the example of Ohio State um, coming in as the heavy dog uh, earlier in that that four game. And you come back and you look at, uh, say, like, um, you know, that year was a good example where you would have expected Michigan to be heavily favored. I don't know what the line actually was on the game. But, you know, coming in off of uh, a loss, Ohio State losing in the fickle year, and Urban coming in as, a, you know, a, a, an unproven entity, I guess, at Ohio State with this kind of ragtag roster and uh, no postseason to play for. And I'm talking about setting the tone there and it's you know been been all Ohio State ever since every time there's a chance where it looks like hey Michigan might be back no no they're not they're not actually (laughs) back like how many times do we have that you know have that discussion like oh all right you know they've changed coaches about four times in the last 20 years and uh, every time hey this is the one no actually not
0: well, let's Sorry. have that discussion real quick because let's, you know, the game is going to happen. We can, you know, nostalgialized all we want, um, you know, until the cows come home. But I, I do want to talk about this year's edition because as someone who has watched every Michigan game this season, I, you know, again, not probably not necessary for threat level, but I'm damn it. I'm a professional and
1: I love that. that level. Of dumb,
0: jokes about Shea Patterson. I need to be informed. Yes. Um, So I do want to talk about that because Michigan has looked significantly better since the Penn State game. And I was skeptical of that at first. I thought, you know, maybe Notre Dame was kind of a fluke. They played it in a monsoon. And, you know, the next two games weren't exactly against high quality opponents and all that kind of stuff. But the truth of the matter is, is that Shea Patterson in particular has looked much better. Than he had at the beginning of the season. He has 750 yards in the last two games of passing. That that's that's pretty damn good. I don't really know that you can criticize that too much. 750 yards of passing. I believe nine touchdowns. That's good. So what they've done to accomplish that, especially where it looked like you know Shea Patterson couldn't even hold on to the football for more than five seconds at the beginning of the season, is they have done a lot of RPOs. They've rolled the guy out. They've you know worked in a lot of play action. The running game has suffered for it. And I, they don't, they haven't even had a hundred yards rushing either the last two games. But Shea Patterson has been so good, and, and being able to get it out to guys, uh, you know, like Deep age You know, Peoples Jones, and uh, you know, like Collins, and all that. Are you nervous that a player like Shea Patterson, or at least concerned that a player like Shea Patterson might be able to alter the course of this game with kind of his newfound, uh, you know, confidence?
1: Yeah, we. I mean, gosh three, four weeks ago, we were talking about how many fumbles we're going to have in this right. game. And they've, yeah. they've cleaned that up uh, for sure. I mean, you're looking at a situation where you have Michigan, you mentioned that running game, 85th now in yards per carry. They're getting four yards per carry. So they're, they're relatively pedestrian right. in their run game, 76th in rushing yards per game, 85th in yards per carry versus Ohio State. That's the statistically best uh, defense in the country in terms of points per per game and, uh, yards per game allowed. Uh, well, so yeah, I mean, everything you described, like we could turn around and say, well, Penn, Penn state tried to play that script too. Right. So that was right. the, that was, that was what you would say. Um, you know, you, you're not going to be able to run against Ohio state's defensive line. So let's try to, let's try to make some things happen through the air. Uh, I, I just have been super impressed with Ohio state's secondary, This season, and so I feel like they're—I shouldn't say this season. I mean, that's been the strength of the defense for quite a few seasons. But they're—they're so good uh, at what they do that, unless you're telling me um, Shea Patterson's going to run like Terrell Pryor, uh, I mean, I'm—I'm just not there. I guess I think they will be the toughest test for sure that Ohio state has faced this season, but we've played this script back a few times now where, Oh, this is the right. test. This is finally the test. Here's the test. And Ohio state, I mean, Penn state was their worst performance of the season and they won by 11 points. So, I mean, how concerned should I be? Um, yeah. I
0: look, the only thing that I'll say, this is the caveat that I will give. Cause I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, Ohio state, you got, you've got guys back there who can really obviously make a pretty big impact in the secondary and you know lock dudes down the reason why I think Michigan poses a little bit more of a threat than I would have said, you know, four or five games ago is mostly because they're doing a much better job at distributing the ball in the passing game. And when you've got Collins and Ronnie bell and people's Jones and all those guys kind of running back there that they have talent, they have a lot of talent in the wide receiver position. The problem is, is just that, you know, Patterson was not able to get them the ball for basically two thirds of the season. And that's not, you know, again you're probably going to be pretty one-dimensional against Ohio State when it comes to the rushing game I don't see a guy like you know Zach Sarbanay or you know any of the other dudes that they might have running the ball um, really making a huge impact on the game what you do have to worry about maybe a little bit is some explosive plays And, and luckily Ohio State has done an incredible job at turning around their you know defense when it came to that uh For the past you know several games and the past season, really, at preventing those big plays, and last season that was really their Achilles heel, so to me, you know it isn't a situation where I'm freaking out like, oh my God, Chip Patterson's gonna throw four touchdowns to you know four different dudes. But it's more in the sense that they really have to just play really smart heads up football and allow a guy like Nico Collins or Ronnie Bell to get a 15 yard pass occasionally, because if that means preventing a touchdown that allows Michigan to stay in the game, especially, you know, look, I understand that you're favored and you know people are expecting to win. It's still the game. It's still a road game. It's still something that you're going to have to really fight for. And you don't want to, you just don't want to give Michigan chances. You really just don't want to give them chances to stay in the game. If you can come out and establish, you know, yourself the way they did against Penn state, you're going to be all right. If you allow them to stay in the game with, you know, long passes and, um, you know, just a fluke touchdown or two or turnovers. I just feel like Michigan is talented enough for things to snowball a little bit. So you cannot allow that to happen. So again, I'm not, I'm not freaked out about it. I still think Ohio state wins this, but um, the, I think Michigan just poses a tougher test than I would have said like I said you know three or four games ago.
1: I mean I mean, I will say if Ohio State loses the turnover margin three to one like they did versus Penn State. I'm 100 percent with you there. I, Ohio State can't play that that loose with the ball uh, and expect to get it done. I, I'm totally on board with that. I, I thought it was interesting I looked at uh, so we're talking about um Patterson, you know, airing it out here over this past two games. Uh what, 366 yards versus Indiana? So that that, that was a 39-14 game. Ohio State beat Indiana 51-10. Now granted that was week three versus week 13. So okay, say Michigan came a long way. Indiana apparently didn't. Um but, you know, I look at the other common opponent uh in since this offensive explosion. So Wolverines beat Michigan State forty-four to ten. He tosses it. Patterson tosses it for three hundred eighty-four yards. Uh, so let's see. Go back and look. Ohio State beats Michigan State thirty-four to ten. So um, you know maybe Michigan State was a was a little uh, a little more battered a few weeks later in the season. I guess you'd say. So they they allowed the Wolverines to you know, add, add those extra ten points. That Ohio State didn't, so you you look at those two games and say, "Well, okay, Ohio State beat Indiana more soundly than Michigan did." But sure. flip side, Michigan beat Sparty more soundly than uh, Ohio State did. What's that tell us? Huh? Hey, throw out the record books. What do we always right. say about this game? <laughs> throw them out. It's gonna be it's gonna be a slobber knocker. Uh, and and that's I mean, and that's what it should be. So this is I'm 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 glad I guess in a sense that they have had. Uh, this resurgence because it does a few things. One, it gets their confidence level up, and a cocky Michigan uh, is is always prime for the, the fall. That's always fun when they're feeling like, hey, Michigan's back, and then you can prove that they're not. And conversely, I think Ohio State is going to take Michigan more seriously, not that they yeah. wouldn't have anyway, but if they're hearing all this hype that, hey, uh, Michigan isn't the you know wet paper towel that we thought they were six or eight weeks ago, um, Patterson's lighting it up out there. I think that's going to give uh, the best in America there a little more something to prove, right? A little, yeah. little more, little more incentive to show off that they are the best in America.
0: Uh, well, which is which is all of really the good. And here's the thing, and, and what will be interesting to me is. Because if you want to show off you're the best in America, you've got to have explosive plays. you got to put points on the board. Michigan is really a team that's kind of designed defensively to prevent that, much in the way that Ohio State is, I think. Uh, you you see a lot of talent in Michigan, especially at the linebackers. You know, It isn't such that they have a guy like Chase Young who's putting up 16 and a half sacks or something insane like that. But they have a lot of guys with four and a half five-and-a-half, six-and-a-half sacks, and it's it's just a situation where they are really sound and they are constantly pressuring you. Ohio State is talented enough to deal with that. They're going to be able to get yards and whatnot. I am just curious to see, especially early in the game, how much success Ohio State has uh, passing the ball and spreading Michigan out. If they can prove that they're the more athletic, faster team early, That forces Michigan to play on their heels a little bit. If you allow them to pin their ears back, that becomes the grind out, you know, just nose of the grindstone kind of game that we've seen, you know, back in the, you know, Trestle years and whatnot. Um, if not, if you see something where Ohio state players are just running away and you, know, you see Alave and Benjamin Victor and all these guys just, you know, and JK Dobbins just running away from linebackers and, you know, safeties and whatnot, then I think you might see a boat race situation where Ohio state just puts up 50 points or something like that. Um, so it really is incumbent on the Michigan defense to keep Ohio state in front of them. And I don't, I'm not, I don't know if they can do that. I think they're going to try. I think they'll, they'll definitely try to pressure, um, Justin Fields as much as they can and hopefully you know make him make quick decisions and then obviously that leads into bad decisions but you know a lot of it's just going to be athlete on athlete and that's like you said that's the way the game should be man like it's it is always going to be a dog fight and it should be because these two teams are supposed to be the cream of the crop of the big 10 Michigan hasn't always held up their end of the bargain (laughs) to -hmm. say the least Mm -hmm. Uh, but they've got talent and I don't want to take away from that. I don't want to, you know, be this podcast that just sits here and tells you that Ohio state's going to go and, you know, destroy Michigan because that's what Ohio state's done in recent years. Um, Michigan has talent. I just think that if Ohio state utilizes their talent to the hilt, they will win this game fairly comfortably. Um, It's going to be difficult though. It's not going to be an easy game.
1: Yeah, I think if you go if you go and actually did the star count on the rosters, Ohio State statistically should have the more talented roster. Not you know, and and again, there's there's nothing saying that the team full of plucky three stars, you know, doesn't occasionally upend the the, the team of of overhyped five stars. Don't don't that's not what I'm saying. Sure. But uh, when you go in and look at the data, I mean, the the difference in this game is going to be how does Ohio State's offense play again against the best defense in the country that that they have faced right so this is about the fourth time this season where we've said here's the number one defense yeah um you know we had it with, with Wisconsin and Michigan State you had Penn State and, and so far they've answered the bell even if the Penn State game was was a bit sloppy but here you have where uh, and I'll, I'll use we give, uh, SP plus as a as an indicator Michigan's the number five defense in the country by that particular metric. Now, their offense is only 26, where Ohio State has the number five offense in the country by that rating system and the number one defense. So let's say, okay, number one defense, number five defense. So the defenses are relatively equivalent. Um, But on that offense side, Ohio State's offense should be markedly better than Michigan's offense. But that does, you know, take into account uh, exactly what we were just talking about, that um, for the early part of the season, Michigan's offense was nothing to write home about, and so you still have some of that in, in the data. If Ohio State's offense does play like one of the five best offenses in the country, then then yes, they should win the game kind of going away, uh, provided you play queen, clean and, and don't put the ball on the turf three times and commit any stupid penalties and let the emotions of playing in Ann Arbor against a team that's all jacked up and hyped up on goofballs um, come out there and <laughs> and and goat you into to doing stupid things you know that's that, that's kind of a given like you've got to play you've got to play smart on the road in a hostile environment
0: Yeah yeah I would agree with that so it's it's gonna be fun it's gonna be exciting we'll give our score predictions here at the end let's go ahead and do some ask us anything obviously you can ask us anything by sending us questions to dubcast at 11 warriors.com or at 11 dubcast on Twitter and don't forget, the 11 Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods store at 11warriors.com, drygoods.11warriors.com, shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Definitely check it out, uh, drygoods.11warriors.com. First question, this is from Jimmy. He wants to know, this year is the 50th anniversary of the famous UM upset in 1969, and the situation this year is eerily similar, which it is. It's, it's, it is a little, little freaky. Uh, is it rational to be nervous for that reason, uh, also, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, are, you, are, are you getting a little bad mojo hey, on the 50th anniversary you, of I,
1: I the that's uh I think that is a real thing. And if you think that isn't on a bulletin board uh, in Ann Arbor, I've got some oceanfront property to sell you in the middle of Arizona <laughs> because, yeah, 50 years ago, Ohio State undefeated, ranked number one, heading into the game. 1969, Buckeyes were... Uh, I mean, as good a team as anyone had ever seen up to that point in recorded history. Michigan enters number 12, two early to mid-season losses to their credit, but still expected to be, you know, a formidable opponent. They're a top 15 team, played in Ann Arbor. Buckeyes had blown Michigan out the year before in Columbus. Michigan was number four coming into that game, just like uh, 2018. And, as the commenter noted, things went horribly awry for the good guys. They did. Uh, whew, man, the parallels are eerily similar and make me feel <laughs> feelings that I don't like feeling. The only thing I cling to here is that the 1969 Michigan Wolverines uh, were not coached by Jim Harbaugh uh, and and not coached by a staff that you know has been thoroughly. And soundly owned by Ohio State for the better part of of recent history. So, I, you know, I think, you know, when you're looking at whether it's betting lines or or stocks or economic trends, you know, there's a there's a school of thought that says you go with the hot hand and and you ride the momentum until it shifts, and, and the momentum's still squarely with Ohio State, I think. But yeah, man, that 50 year statistic is <laughs> a little too creepy for for this uh this book you know and
0: i'll I'll tell you something i don't normally you know i don't go in for superstition i don't believe in luck you know no fate but what we make right you know sarah connor tm i you know but except with the exception of michigan week so is it is it rational to be nervous for that reason yes it's rational to be nervous for literally any reason this yes. week that's totally fine and yeah that's that's some creepy bad mojo and ohio state's gonna have to overcome it um so yes Jimmy you are allowed to be nervous and happy thanksgiving to you as well. This next one here is from Suncard. Suncard wants to know how is my arm healing? My arm actually wasn't hurt it was my collarbone which I broke in two places. That's could be doing a little bit better actually. I'm not cleared to lift until uh February which really sucks. I'm really kind of mad about that. But uh, you know, not in constant pain so that's nice. Um here's his question for this week. What is it like going to the game on the other side of Toledo? Have you ever gone to uh, the game in Ann Arbor?
1: I have to say my one failing as a human being, uh, I mean, this is literally it. Everything else is is kind of in my favor. Um, but my one failing as a human being is that I have yet to attend the game in Ann Arbor. Yeah. I'm kind of ashamed and embarrassed to admit that. Uh, <laughs> so I will have to rely on others And live vicariously through them. Shame on me. And if you want to contribute to the Andy, why haven't you gone to this game phone uh fund? Hit me up later and I'll send you my Venmo and we can you know make this happen.
0: Venmo is some cash. I haven't been either, and I don't necessarily feel super bad about it. It's expensive, it's a hike. I'm not, you know, whatever. I'm not gonna cry myself to sleep because I haven't done it. Um, but from my friends and family who have done it, it's a good time. They they all individually report. Uh, I guess, collectively. So they've, they've, they've all told me this themselves and it's a constant, which is that Michigan just does not seem to get quite as hype about this as, you know, we do down here. Um, But maybe that just comes with the territory of, you know, just getting completely waxed for the past two decades. Um, So yeah, it's, it's apparently a really good time. I've been in Ann Arbor. It's a, you know, it's a nice little college town. It's not as nice as they like to claim it is to be honest. Um, but it's, you know, it's a huge stadium and it's a cool thing to check out. I would like to go there one day and, and just, you know, kind of experience it. Um, you know, ideally with a very thorough Ohio state ass kicking. Um, next one here, this is, this is from Alvin. Alvin wants to know if you were to predict the future, does Harbaugh get to leave on his own term?
1: Uh, I want to also say shout out to Alvin uh, starting his new gig. Uh, good luck. Proud of you. Uh, Rocket on the subways, me amigo. And great question. So, I mean, this game to me it, it is really the harbinger one way or the other. If, if this game goes Ohio State's way again, uh, I don't see how Harbaugh leaves on his own, own terms. And that doesn't mean that I think he's on the hot seat right now and you know, we'll be gone next season. I'm, I'm not there yet, but you know, if you open up winless, you know, you're the great savior, come in, Michigan man, come home, hail the conquering hero, all that sort of thing. And you come back and you whiff it. And your first was this four outings. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I have a hard time seeing how you, you know, turn it around and suddenly become both Beckler incarnate. I'm just, I'm having a hard time seeing now, Win this game, you know, in the national title dreams of a Buckeye team that seems destined to play for another title and and you can have that um you know now there's a school of thought that by the way, that says Ohio State will play regardless, assuming they're a one loss sure. um, big ten champion so but 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 put yourself in the shoe of the Michigan man and you spoil an undefeated season for the Buckeyes and and maybe drop them down to three or four in the, the playoff polls or, or even, you know, boot them out, whatever that happens to be, then, yeah, I think there is a chance that he could, you know, flip the script, rewrite uh, rewrite the story, and so on and so on. I mean, there's a lot for, for him personally. I think there's a lot riding on this game, maybe more so. You could say Ryan Day has a lot riding on this game in that regard too. Like he's got to set the tone for you know his new regime because there's this you know you read people on twitter and never read the comments right but you you see people (laughs) on twitter the the detractor types michigan fan types are like well you know this is just ryan day um you know inheriting urban system and his recruits and and give it two or three years and then we'll see i personally think ohio state um is in a pretty uh nice position with ryan day because he seems to be um, everything that urban was on the good side with not so many of the urban warts that uh, like, you know, like clutching the security blanket and doing dumb things when um, you know, you're in a tight game or, or can't figure out how to, to get it done. Uh, You know, I just, I think Ryan day so far has impressed me. Kind of like we talked last week with Chris Holtman. He just gets it and he's done everything right. And um, but, but this game's big for him too, right? Your first game, in the rivalry as, as head coach, you know, not interim or or taking over for the other guy. It's, it's a big deal for both coaches, but no, if Harbaugh um, loses this game, I don't see him leaving on his own terms. What do you think?
0: Yeah. I mean, so here's the thing. I mean, you know, I've always said that with Ohio state head coaching, you know, it's kind of like the defense against dark arts, you know, <laughs> professor at Hogwarts, you don't really get to ever leave on your own terms. Right. You know, and and that's really the God, case. It's such a good of, analogy. <laughs> yeah, and that's really the case for a lot of major college football programs. So unless you're great forever, I mean, you're you're gonna have to eventually get kicked to the road. And look, if if Harbaugh you know, is able to lead Michigan to the promised land and beat Ohio State and win a Big Ten championship which Michigan has not done since 2004, by the way, um, and get them to the college football playoff or something like that, something equivalent to that, then I think he can say peace out. I'm going back to the NFL or doing something along those lines with a certain measure of dignity. You don't beat Ohio State and you don't get to the college football playoff or win a Big Ten championship. Then no, I think you know if that doesn't happen the next two or three years, I I don't I don't think he gets to leave on his own terms. And maybe he had a fairly good you know run. I think they've recruited well and they've won some decent games, or decent amount of games. They haven't necessarily won decent games. They, they're not good against really good opponents. Um, but yeah, he's got to turn it around. If if he wants to call his own shot, he's got to turn it around. Right now, his team is is projected as an eight point underdog against ohio state so my my final question to you before we get out of here andy what is your score prediction for the game on saturday
1: i you know was pretty exuberant last week and and said uh ohio state would beat penn state 42 okay. 17 i i got i got half that right you know yeah. so that was that was pretty good um the data the data suggests to me that um Ohio state should be about a 14 point favorite in this game. I know the line was about nine or 10, but, uh, data wise, you know, I would peg this at like 13 and a half points. So I'm, I'm going to call it a two touchdown win for the Buckeyes. Um, I, I think that the offense will perform better this week than they did a week ago. So, um, I, and I'm, and I'm going to say the defense is is going to hold up, um, you know, about the same. So I'm going to give, Uh, the Wolverines 17 and the Buckeyes, let's call it, uh, 31 is kind of a weird score. So, uh, let's call it 32, 17 and see what happens.
0: I think it's going to be close. I, I think this is going to be a game. The weather might be potentially a little bit gross. It's obviously an away game. I think Harbaugh understands the, the gravity of really what they need. I think, honestly, guys like Shea Patterson, who are really kind of playing for their you know reputation, their legacies a little bit, understand what this means. I, I think it's going to be close. I think Ohio State's still going to win. I, I believe that they have the more talented team. I think they have the better coaching staff. And they just have the right players in the right positions. It, it'll be difficult for me to see Michigan winning this, you know, despite the fact that you've seen a guy like Shea just you know kind of turning around the last few weeks. I'm looking at something like a 35-28 game uh, for mm-hmm. Ohio State. Yep. I, I think this is, is going to be a one or two score game max. Um, it's going to be a lot closer than, than some people might think. Um, Michigan, look, it, it's not that I think Michigan's that great of a team. It's just that I believe that they found something that works and they will do it as much as they possibly can to try to mitigate some of the talent um disparity and it 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 may work for a half or so and then you know once ohio state really starts to kind of lay the hammer down um then you might see things turn out a little bit differently but given the home field given the fact that they're starting to get the running or the passing game going a little bit uh do the rpos all that stuff i think they'll put some points on the board i just don't think they'll be able to keep up ohio state so my my prediction 35 28 Hopefully it's a blowout and, you know, we're, you know they win by 40 points and that would be much more hilarious, uh, but maybe not, you know, one for the annals of of Buckeye Michigan lore. But I appreciate everyone to listen to this. This is the best week of the year. I'm really excited. I know Andy's really excited. And, you know, we'll be back next week to break down this incredible thing. So until next time, I'm Johnny. I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time.